You're listening to the Sunday podcast from LifePoint Church in Santan Valley, Arizona. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. For more information, visit us online at lifepointaz.com. Oh, my buddy and me, who remembers that commercial and song so many years ago, my buddy and me. Hey, church, how we doing? Yeah, right on. Cool. So just like Pastor Nathan said, we are in our marriage series. We're in the third week. And to kind of recap, uh, Nathan launched it a few weeks ago, and he talked about what is marriage, uh, the concept, uh, the value that places God, uh, that God places on it, and that it's a selfless act. And then Chad last week talked about expectations, and, and we all found out that we all have so many different expectations when it comes to marriage, but God, in fact, kind of narrows those expectations. And this week, we'll be talking about companionship in marriage, and is that even a possibility? The main scripture that we're in is Ephesians 5, 21 through 33, uh, and we've been in it for the past couple of weeks, and we'll probably stay in it. It's, it's so rich with information, honestly, you could spend months peeling back the layers of these verses. So let's read it together. Verse 21 starts, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the... Uh, the wife as a Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ... So also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself after all. No one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does a church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. There's so much information there. Nathan and Chad unpacked it. And today we're going to see what, what Paul and what God is saying about companionship in this. Will you guys pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you for your word. God, thank you for your creation and your invention of marriage, God. Marriage is your fingerprint of your people and, and, and a depiction of the relationship that you have and desire with us of how much you love us and your desire for us to love you. Father, marriage is that picture. It is meant to be your light on a fallen world. So, Father, we pray for your spirit. We pray for your word to be spoken. We pray for marriages to be impacted and for hearts and lives to be transformed. We pray all this in Jesus Christ's name. 
Amen. All right, so the question is, do you have a lifelong companionship with your spouse? Is your spouse your friend? Is your spouse your buddy, as that song talks about? So I, I had a misguided view of what friendship was. If you asked me a long time ago who was my best friend, my thoughts would have gone here. I would have pictured that, that scene in, in, in a bar where you're maybe in a tough spot or a wee bit of trouble, and maybe you've made a few guys or several guys angry, you'd want to be able to look to your left and see your best friend standing right there about to take a beating with you. That was my idea of uh, friendship and, and, uh, and having a best friend. <laughs> that's, that's awful, wanting to get whooped with your friend. You leave, you're bloodied, and you got black eyes, and you're just high-fiving, like, that was awesome, right, dude? I, yeah, I think. I don't, I don't know. I kinda, it kind of hurts. That's how I viewed what friendship was. I used to make fun when I would hear uh, people say that their spouse was their best friend. I, I didn't understand that concept years ago. I, I, didn't, I didn't get that. But honestly, I can say before you right now that my wife, Lindsay, is my best friend. And if I ever found myself in a bar again, which I, I won't, and I had several guys mad at me and I were to look to my left, I would want to see my wife standing right there saying, hey, we got to run, man. We got to get out of here. You're about to get pummeled. And yeah, you know, that's what I would need from uh, <laughs> my best friend. Here's what we're going to do. To, to relate this topic of companionship to you guys, I'm going to bring you into my marriage for, for just a bit, and I've got a few photos to kind of display that. Do we, oh, there's our first photo right there. That's a picture we took yesterday of me <laughs> and Lindsay. Um, no, that was back in 1998. At, at this point in time, we had been dating for about a year and a half. We met in, in, in 96. We started a courtship. We started... Uh, Dating and, and this picture says a lot. Lindsay's there saying, man, am I lucky to have grabbed this guy at such a young age. And me, I'm just sitting there with my arm around her, kind of just forcing her to, to like me. Um, but that was us in, in 1998. Uh, got a second photo there. Okay, cool, right on. That's our wedding day. So this was 2003. So we dated for about seven years. We got married, it was beautiful, and uh, our smiles are conveying a message. Basically, we're saying, hey, yeah, we've got full knowledge on this whole marriage thing, so we're going to be just fine. That's what those smiles are saying uh, right there. Uh, we have a third photo. Okay, so this is 2012, so this was kind of nine years after that wedding day. Our smiles aren't aren't as big and bright uh, anymore, um, but we're doing those holiday Christmas photos, so you have to, to smile. And we're trying to convey a message like, yeah, uh, we think we're winning at marriage. We're not sure. We've got three kids at this point. Life is tough, but we're happy, and we're married. We're still married. All right, fourth photo. Okay, that's us. <laughs> okay, you guys left. I haven't even said a joke about this picture, and you guys are laughing. 
Okay, so that is Easter, I think, a few months ago, so that's today. Um, I'm barely smiling. Um, Lindsay's not smiling at all. Um, So, yeah, not sure what she's thinking. I'm not sure um, what's what's going on there, but that's us today, and I believe we've got a, a fifth photo, right, Jordan? It's just all... All of those pictures uh, together, when you look at this last photo, it, it depicts 23 years of, of relationship. And I know many of you in here have 30, 40, 50 plus years of marriage and relationship. And obviously in all those photos, those are pictures of Blake and Lindsay. That's a given. But in those photos and in that time span, Do you think we were the same people physically, emotionally, and spiritually? No, no, not even close. The only thing that's been constant over those years is change. Tons of it and all of the time. And that's the thing, we we know in marriage there's going to be nothing but change, especially physically, emotionally, and spiritually. But what does Hebrews 13, 8 say? It says this, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And who is supposed to be the foundation of your marriage? Jesus Christ. He doesn't change. He's the same. That's why you have to make your foundation God in your marriage. Then you make your marriage a priority, which Nathan and Chad talked about. And then today, we're going to see how we can view our spouse through him as a companion, as a best friend. Now, I can't just give you pictures of my spouse, my my beautiful bride, Lindsay. I think it's going to be better represented if we hear it right from her mouth. Now, before I introduce her, many of you know my wife Lindsay to be very shy and very quiet and very reserved. Many of you also know her to be a very very powerful woman of God who leads by example and who knows her identity in Christ. And many of you don't even know who my wife is. It actually takes several months for people to kind of put us together because she operates under the radar, and it's, uh, it takes a while for people to kind of connect us. And so saying all that, this is mission impossible for her to come up on stage, but Christ calls us in growth to be uncomfortable. So please help me in welcoming the Miss Jennifer Lindsay Wilsford to the stage. Okay, so the cat's out of the bag. Your first name is Jennifer. Your mom had a thing that she wanted to give you a first name, but go by your middle name. Now, here's, here's a word of advice. If you ever call her Jennifer, duck, okay? <laughs> duck. Uh, she goes by Lindsay. 
Uh, she, did, she did try to pull a stunt with our firstborn uh, when she uh, was pregnant, and, and uh, she called me, and she let me know. And she said, I want to name, our, if it's a boy, uh, our son Kenneth Ryan Wilsford, and he'll go by Ryan. I'm like, of, of course, he's going to go by his middle name. But God intervened and gave us twins, and so we just split it right down the middle. We have Kenneth, and we have Ryan, and that is their first names, and I won. Hey, are we best friends? No. <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding. Of course. Well, okay, so hopefully after this, we can become best friends. We know that those photos span over a lot of years. Lindsay, looking at that first photo when we were dating, where would you say you were at physically, emotionally, and spiritually? Well, physically, um, being about age 17, I, uh, I was in good shape. Physically, I felt pretty good about myself. Emotionally, I'm a teenager. I, you know, have self-esteem issues. Every young girl does, and spiritually, I knew the Lord. Um, I go to church. It's a southern thing to do. You go to church on Sunday, or else you're probably going to hell, so. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So she mentioned the, the South. We grew up in the South, uh, in the Baptist church, and yeah, that is definitely the, the message. Be a good old southern boy and southern girl and, and, and get to church. Um, for, for, for me, um, Physically, I, w I was happy with myself there. I, I grew up a really skinny kid, so I got made fun of. And so this picture is my first year in college, and I start to, uh, to grow a little bit and, and working out. So I was, I was happier physically. Um, in that picture, emotions, um, what are those? I, I could care less what emotions were um, at, at that age. And, and spiritually, just as Lin Lindsay mentioned, um, I maybe went to church on Sundays, um, God was somewhere in my life, maybe third, seventh, eighth, I don't, I don't know. Um, but that's how I viewed him as just an hour on, on Sunday, um, if that. Lindsay, kind of uh, over that span of 20 plus years, you've changed physically, emotionally, and spiritually, just like anyone would over that time frame. Looking at that, that last photo, photo number four, where are you at now in respect to your physical, emotional, and spiritual state? Um, physically, I have worked really hard to lose some weight recently, so I feel pretty good <laughs> about myself. Emotionally, um, I feel a good, uh, a good place in my life. I, uh, I kind of let things, when things, rough things come into my life, I kind of just don't take it to heart. I understand that there are uh, situations in life and people um, say things and um, <laughs> but uh, emotionally um, I feel strong I feel I feel independent uh, but also dependent on uh, spiritually mature people in my life spiritually I, f I truly do feel like Philippians 413 um, I feel secure and positive and I know in the depth of my heart and the pit of my stomach that Jesus loves me unconditionally. Um. <laughs> we, I, I, I have tissues yeah. this time. So. <laughs> I definitely feel his presence and I hear his voice 
and I know through good or bad, he, is, he has my back. So. Amen. Amen. <laughs> You're doing awesome. So it's, it's completely flipped for me uh, from 20 years ago from that first photo to this last one uh, right here. God is first in my life. He is my everything. He is my go-to. He is my creator. He is my father in, in heaven. And I fully trust in him, and I have fully devoted my life to Jesus Christ. I am a little more in tune with my emotions. I know what some of them are now. I don't know if I know the full list of, of emotions, but I know what some of them are. Um, and, you know, physically, I mean, I'm, I'm 40, and so, you know, yeah, a few less carbs would probably help, help me out and would be a good idea, so I don't, I don't feel as good physically as I did back in, in that picture, but, but that's okay. That's all right. So, Lindsay, I want to I ask you this now. Um, over those 20 years, would you say there's been ups and downs highs and lows, and has it been a, a roller coaster when it comes to your physical, emotional, and spiritual side of things? Uh, yes, absolutely. Um, physically, uh, over the past 20 years, I worked really hard to stay fit, you know. Having kids, it's always been a struggle since then to lose weight, gain weight, lose weight. Um, emotionally, um, I uh, really had to learn how to control my emotions. When I was younger, over the past 20 years, um, adding that uh, husband in my life, learning how to have emotions for two people, and then adding kids on top of that, <laughs> having emotions in that area. Um, yeah, I know, I know I have more years ahead to go, but emotionally now, over the time, I have exceeded way more than I thought. Uh, spiritually, over the 20 years, um, I came to know Jesus at a young age of 12, and um, I was on fire as a young girl in a divorced family, and it was hard. I knew and still know today that God met me and changed me, but the world being the way it is, I grew up some and faced some pretty cruel situations in life, and I pulled away. I always knew the Holy Spirit was with me, but I guess I felt unworthy. A lot of people in my life that I trusted really let me down. <laughs> so learning how to spiritually regain trust was super hard. I went through the motions a lot. Knowing that Jesus is in my heart, but potentially waiting for that nudge. I had spiritual people in my life come and go, but along the way, um, but along the way, I've uh, grown tremendously. So church, when, when Lindsay talks about she's been in, in some cruel situations, in some really tough uh, situations, um, Lindsay grew up in a broken home, and uh, things were said to her and, 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 and done to her by, by, by family members and, and relatives and friends and um, things that uh, a, a lot of people would struggle to, uh, to get through. And um, she went through way more difficult times than, than I went through over those uh, years, but I was, I was next to her um, through a lot of those uh, 
things. And so, Lindsay, I want to ask you, in, in those changes, in those ups and downs, and that roller coaster, and the abuse and the neglect that was uh, done to you, how did you get through that? Well, I, I definitely relied on God, and, and then the people uh, that God brought into my life I, uh, that I trusted. And so, how many of those years would you say of those 23 years that we've been in a relationship, how many would you say that I was an actual companion and friend to you? Just about five or six of those years. And that's, that, that, that's honesty, and that's tough to, to hear that and, and, and to know that, that I've only been a companion and friend to you for about five of those 23 years, and I'd, I'd missed out on an opportunity uh, to be able to come alongside you. So, Lindsay, the, these past five years where we've been in companionship, where we're buddies, what have those five years been like in our marriage where we now see each other as companions and best friends? Well, I feel like my day-to-day <clears throat> -day is, is a little easier, more positive, a better outlook. Um, when we go through worldly things, finances, you know, emotions, insecurities, work, um, I can handle it a little better. I, I know that I have you to come home to, you in my life. Um, <laughs> and for women, we, we need that security. We need that feeling, that love, that companion, that best friend um, in, our, in our lives. <laughs> Amen. You mentioned uh, finances. Yes, as best friends, it's way easier to deal with uh, finances as we have four people in our family in braces. And if anybody knows how much one set of braces costs, times that by four. Uh, and that's the past uh, a year in, in, <laughs> in our life. And we kind of just laugh at it. Church, I want you to know something. These pictures were intentional. That, that third photo uh, for me in, in 2012 um, that was the starting point for me when I had full clarity in giving my life to Jesus Christ. Three years before that, 2009, I was 30. And that was when I first started craving purpose and desiring a, a relationship with God. And I wrestled with them for about three years. A lot of you have probably been in that spot before where you're saying, God, what is my purpose Show me, I can't hear your voice. And I did that for three years, and at, at, at 33, in that picture right there, is when clarity began to come in. And what do you think God started with first when I was fully devoted and had full clarity in my life and my desire to follow him? My marriage. He started with my marriage. That was the first Thing. And I remember that year turning a corner in my house and there was this light on, the, on this book, The Power of a Praying Husband. It was staring at me with this conviction to go pick it up, even though this book had been sitting there for, for years collecting dust. Lindsay asking me to, to read this book and I refused. But finally, God showed me. I picked it up. I read the book and realized there's a whole new way for me to pray for my wife. 
And it was from that point that, that God moved me into a position of seeing my marriage in a whole new light and this concept of companionship with my wife. And it was about two years later when we were fully into companionship and our marriage began to skyrocket into covenant, into true covenant. And I, and I moved away from how I used to see her with this romantic love, the, the eros kind of love, into the friendship or philia kind of love. And everything changed from there. Sweetie, do you have any last thoughts for our audience here? <laughs> Are you sure? Did we just become best friends? Yeah. <laughs> Round of applause for Miss Jennifer Lindsay Wilsford. Oh. What was Adam's first response when he saw Eve? It wasn't like mine when I first saw Lindsay. I was like, dang, girl, you are fine. Adam, Adam didn't say that. Or Adam wasn't like, uh, hey, God, can maybe she have blonde hair? Or God, yeah, not digging the face, can we maybe start over and maybe get, uh, get a, a new one? No. <laughs> it was something much different. Genesis 2.23, he says, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She will be called woman, for she was taken out of man. Verse 24 goes on to say, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. We also saw earlier Paul quote that in Ephesians so what, what is Adam saying? Adam is saying, you, Eve, complete me. You, Eve, you are me. Bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. I am you, and you are me. And in this, there is wholeness and completeness, and together we can go on this shared journey of honoring our Creator, our Heavenly Father. And that is talking about the friendship kind of love, not the romantic kind of love. Adam put Eve next to his side for them to go through life in companionship together. Don't get me wrong, the romantic love came later. They had children, but they first started with companionship. It's that perfect representation that Christ intended for in our marriage. Church, here's the deal. For those of you that are married, for those of you that are, 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 are going to get married, your spouse has to be your best friend or you don't have a marriage. I'll say it again. Your spouse, when you look at your spouse, you have to see them as your best friend or you do not have a marriage. Let's start here. Let's, let's define friendship. Let's define friendship according 
to the Bible. Friendship is this. It's a deep oneness that comes through a mutual journey to the same goal. Guys, husbands, we get this goal in verses 25 through 28 in Ephesians. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. It doesn't sound like Paul is talking a whole lot about the romantic kind of love, but instead, this goal, this shared journey, and we as husbands are supposed to lift our wives up to present her blameless to our heavenly Father. See, romantic kind of love is two people looking at each other for self-gratification. Like, you're cute. Oh, yeah, you're cute too. Yeah. That's what the eros kind of love is. Friendship and shared goodwill is the philia kind of love that we're talking about. And that has to be the purpose in your marriage. And it's that journey of companionship that you can get through the flaws, the imperfections, the weaknesses, the highs and lows physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And I missed out on 17 years of companionship, a friendship that I could have been for, for Lindsay during those, those difficult times of her life. I'm grateful that God flipped me upside down and we've had this companionship for the last five years. So that's friendship defined biblically. Let's look at the components of friendship and these are gonna be the takeaways for you. Whether you're married or not, the first one is consistency. A good friend, a best friend is there for you all of the time. Always, no matter what. You guys are probably thinking of a friend growing up or one that you have now that is there for you no matter what, good or bad. But is it, but is it the same with your spouse? As a spouse, do you stick around during the bad times, during the, the job loss? Do you stick around? Financial trouble. Do you stick around when there's depression or alcohol addiction? Do you stick around during those times? Do you stick around during the weight gain, during sickness? See, if we were to look at our divorce rate, the answer is no. The answer is no, is we don't stick around during the bad times. So in, in our marriages, we're missing out on the consistency. Second component, honesty. When you think of honesty, you, you think of telling the truth. And yes, that is part of it, but the, the first thing that you have to start with when it comes to honesty is being honest with yourself and who you are, and where you're at physically, emotionally, and spiritually. That's where you have to start, is you have to be honest with yourself before you can be honest with that person, with your spouse. See, if your first inclination is to, to lie, then, then your marriage, 
Your friendship is riddled with dishonesty. And I'm not talking about the lie where you kind of fib where, where you've been or maybe how much money you've spent on, on something. I'm, I'm, I'm not talking about those lies, which you shouldn't lie about that. Is do you open up and are you honest about who you are emotionally and spiritually? Do you lie about that? Do you lie about where your walk is with God? Do you lie about where you're at emotionally and what's really going on? That's what we're talking about here. And yes, don't lie to your spouse about how much you spend on, on the credit card. They'll find out. Trust me, they'll find out. The third component, vulnerability. This is a tough one, especially for us guys. You must be willing to open up and be transparent about you. What secrets are you keeping from your spouse? And then there's a lot of reasons why we don't open up. That fear of rejection, that fear of that person not fully understanding the message that you're trying to convey. It's not easy to do that. And that person has to be sympathetic, compassionate, and encouraging. So you have to be that when your wife is trying to open up to you and, and, and wives when your husband is trying to open up to you. You have to be that as well. And the point is, is, is you each have to fully be naked on the inside with your spouse. That's the third component of friendship, and that's the mark of a lifelong companionship. Is your spouse being able to see you completely naked on the inside and who you are? Now, I don't want to leave the single people out. Where, where are all the single ladies at? Okay. Nathan called out the single, uh, all, all the moms, so I thought I'd just call out the, the single ladies. And there's single guys in here. <laughs> oh, I remember as a young, as a young guy, uh, this, this was told to me, and you guys might be able to finish uh, this sentence, but this is what, what you learned when it came to, to dating. Don't end up in the friend zone, right? Anybody ever get told that or heard that is don't end up in the friend zone because if you end up best friends with her, all you're going to see is her dating other guys and hearing about her troubles with all these other, other guys. And so I was told that like, no, don't, don't end up in the, in the friend zone. So when I went after Lindsay, I mean, excuse me, when she went after me, okay, um, I was like, no, I don't want to end up in the friend zone. So um, yeah, let's like hold hands first. Um, <laughs> but what we do as singles is, is you walk into a room and there, there's 20 people. You eliminate 15 of them right off the bat with your eyes, don't you? Based on their height, their weight, the clothes that they're wearing, their face, the color of their hair. You eliminate them and you focus on five people because that's your body type and that's the person that you're looking for. Now you're going to go find out, are they dateable? Can I have a friendship and, and all that other stuff? And God's up there like, those 15 people that you eliminated, the one I had for you was, was in that group. And so, so single people, you should be approaching relationships with this philia kind of love where you're looking at 
consistency, honesty, and vulnerability. It's not easy, though. <laughs> it's not easy to start out like that. These three things, if you're failing at them in your marriage, then, then your marriage is probably in a tough spot right now. If you don't have consistency, honesty, and vulnerability, man, things are tough. You might be going home and you might just turn on the ball game. And that's what your life is like. If you're succeeding, then your marriage is a blessing. It's that lamp and that light to the world. Proverbs 3.33 says, he blesses the home of the righteous. Is your marriage today standing right before God? Is it that deep af affirmation and that picture of Christ and his love that he had for the church? If so, your home is blessed. If not, here's what you got to work on. You got to work on those three things. And here's how we're going to close is the application of consistency, honesty, and vulnerability. How can I actually apply it? Here's the thing, guys. I'm, I'm, I'm talking to you. You've got to sit down with your wife, your spouse, and you have to tell them that you promise and vow to intensify the consistency in your relationship and being there for them. So that might mean taking the remote and turning off the football game. I had to do that Thursday through Sunday. I sat on a couch in front of a TV and watched football for a total of 20 plus hours. And the time I would spend with Lindsay would five to 10, maybe that. But now that God has transformed me, I had to turn off the TV first and sit with her. And he's flipped me upside down and my heart has been transformed. And now I desire to sit and have conversations with her. Sweetie, what is it that, that we call it on the, on the patio? We sit in the two chairs. It's patio time or is it backyard business? What? What is it that we, no backyard business is what the dogs do. What is it that we, we, we have, is it patio time or pool patio play? Pool patio time? Okay. We sit in these chairs side by side and we talk and have conversations for, for hours. I desire that and I don't care who's playing the Sunday night game or the Monday night game. I could care less. So men, you have to do that. Wives, you might have to put down that book. You might have to say no to work or overtime and sit down with your spouse. Honesty. We have to up the level of honesty within our marriages, especially if we claim to be followers, followers of Christ. We have to up the level of honesty. And for some of you right now, it might be that you just have to turn to your spouse and say, I will be honest with you, but right now there's just a lot of things that are difficult for me to talk about and to share with you. But I will be honest, and I want that to change. That might be your starting point, is confessing that to your wife or your husband. Lastly, vulnerability. I want to invite the band back out as we start to close. You have to open up to allow God to pour in. You see that? You have to open up, you have to be transparent for God to be able to pour in. And that's going to be difficult. It's going to be a challenge. It was a challenge for us five, six, seven years ago when we started to go down this path of deeper conversations. 
a good place to start because let, let's be honest, it's hard to sit down with your spy, uh, spouse and, and fully talk about God and Christ. I'll confess, it's still a challenge for me and Lindsay to, to pray with each other. We are so inconsistent in that. And I know that's uh, challenges for a lot of you to pray with your spouse. And so that's going to be a challenge to sit down and, and look at your spouse and be like, I, I love Jesus, yeah? That's going to be difficult. So start with this. Start talking about your dreams, your goals, your vision, things you want to do in life, and just begin to open up and share in conversation. You'll see God honor that, and you'll start to see a transition where you can sit with your spouse, see her as a best friend, and have these amazing and wonderful conversations about Christ and who he is and where the two of you in this shared journey are going. See, if we did that as, as Christians, I imagine more people would see Christ through marriages like that and more and more lives would be saved through God's fingerprint, which is marriage here on earth. Church, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. God, we ask for your spirit to pour out friendship and companionship into the marriages that are here today. God, that we look to each other and place each other side by side in this shared journey to honor and glorify who you are. God, and in turn through us, through our marriages, we will represent the love that you have, that you have for your son, for this church, and this perfect relationship that you desire this eternal relationship that we can have through you, God. Thank you for the work that you're doing in the marriages here in LifePoint, our communities, and the world, and we lift these up to you, and we surrender, and we fully submit to you, Father. We pray all this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. We're going to enter into a time of communion. We have three stations in the front. We have three in the back. In just a moment, you'll come forward, you'll grab the bread, you'll grab the juice, and you'll go back to your seats. And I ask you, in that time, to reflect. If you're with your spouse today, hold their hand. Pray with them. Pray over them. And together, before God, make that promise of consistency, honesty, and vulnerability. If you're single, reflect and ask God for you to find that person that you can start a relationship with in consistency, honesty, and vulnerability. Spend that time in reflection. So it was that night that, that Christ was betrayed where he sat with his disciples in that last supper. He took the bread and he took the cup. He said, this is my body broken for you. He said, this is my blood poured out. Christ died on the cross for us. And the least we can do is honor him in our relationships and our marriages. If you have a relationship with Christ,
come forward and partake. If you don't have a relationship, we ask that you sit and you reflect. We have our prayer partners up front. Go and talk to them. Ask them, who is this Jesus Christ? Pray with them. If you need prayer, come forward. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for dying on that cross. Thank you for what you did for our lives eternally. Thank you for the salvation that you have offered up to us. Thank you, Jesus. We lift this up in his name. Amen. Please.